0: Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today, I'm speaking to Toby. Toby is a UFO researcher, reporter for the Roswell Daily Record, podcaster with the Roswell UFO Symposium podcast, an event coordinator with the Roswell Daily Records, Roswell Incident and Film Festival, and volunteer for the UAP Medical Coalition. He's also been part of charitable work for the Wounded Warrior Project. He is also a family man with a great sense of humor so thank you toby for coming and joining me in the dojo today thank you for having me yes um, i've known you for some time but i want the rest of the world to know a little bit more about you because they've seen your work but they don't know the man behind the work so <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay yeah um born and raised in roswell new mexico um, most, some people would call it the alien capital of the world so I've been interested in the subject since I was younger after my dad described to me a sighting he had here. Um, the old air base that housed, obviously, the only nuclear bomber unit at the time, back in the 40s, and was also involved in a famous incident your listeners might have heard of, um, just the UFO crash outside of Roswell.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of so, a big deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so after that closed down, they just changed it into an airport. And it was mainly used for training Air Force people from different parts of the world. So a lot of pilots from Germany would come and train here. And we call it the base because it's the area where all the base housing was. And my dad grew up there. So at the time they would have, you know, big block parties, big barbecues. So they're out there with people from our Air Force and people from the German Air Force barbecue in one day. And a huge object appeared in the sky. And it's basically shaped like a dumbbell, you know, two mm-hmm. round spheres on each end and then a piece oh just one big piece in the middle. And it's standing completely still up in the air. So they're all looking, wondering what the hell's going on. And it starts swinging slowly in a pendulum motion, you know, like a grandfather clock. Wow. Now it begins spinning so fast that they could barely see it. And it shot straight up into the atmosphere. Wow. Now, we have officials from our Air Force and the German Air Force out here that are saying, what the hell was that? So they're calling air traffic control tower. You know, they're calling anybody they can think of. And nobody knows what this thing was. Mm -hmm. And so for my dad, ever since that happened to him, he had a lifelong interest in it. And ever since he told me that story, I've been watching the skies. And 22 years ago, I went to work at the Roswell Daily Record, which, you know, at the time I thought, hey, this is my dream job. This is the paper that was made famous for this. I get there and I tell a few coworkers about some things that I've seen and they laughed at me. Like, wow, the paper wasn't covering this. It wasn't taken seriously there. And to me, that was a big shock for a news entity that was so involved in this topic for so long for it to not be thought of as a serious topic. Now, it was disheartening at first, but uh, new ownership came in. Well, not new ownership, the owner actually came in as the publisher and she's a real big supporter of the UAP topic. And she said, you know what, we're going to report on this, we're going to do it seriously, and we're going to be as involved in this community as we can. And
0: And you know what, what a perfect time to do that, because there's just so much news constantly. We've had people coming out from the government, we have professors coming out and talking to us, we have hearings, this is like the dream time to be there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. it's funny because I started writing I, my first few articles. I did one on Tom Reed, you know, in the Berkshires UFO incident. Um, then I did one, <clears throat> excuse me, on David Marlar's new uh, National Historical Archives. They're going to be opening up in Albuquerque. And so when these balloons, balloon, I should use quotes, shoot down started happening in February of this year. Um, it it just Something in my brain clicked, so I was sitting there. I had sent some questions to different senators, you know, and then one to the DOD, which Susan Go gave me a lovely response. And I'm sitting there on Super Bowl Sunday, and I get an email from the Pentagon. And I'm like, "What? why is the Pentagon emailing me? I open it, and I, I start freaking out in the car. My wife is like, what's going on? I said, I just got invited to the press briefing on the shoot down of these three objects. Over the U.S. and then the one over Canada. So we were out. I think we were running errands. So I haul butt home and I get on there and I sign into Zoom because it was a virtual only. And it starts popping up all these names of these major news companies, you know, and the anchors you see on TV, and then mm-hmm. stations from Japan, um, you know, France, all just the UK. It was it was wild. And there I am, the Roswell Daily Record, for some reason. In this briefing with these other people. So uh, that's kind of when I really started to get into it. And that's when I realized I'm not a trained journalist and I can do this, but I needed someone that had just as much, well, actually more knowledge on the topic than me. And that's when Shane got roped into writing with me.
0: All right for those who don't know he's referring to shane freaks who is um the old vet symposium on twitter he's also part of the podcast with toby and he's done a lot of stuff with the conferences too
1: yeah we were actually at alien con back in march
0: right, was, so you've, uh... you've been on some adventures so w- when your grandfather spoke about the story did he say how it was received by other people or did he not talk to other people about it
1: Oh, my father. No, he he said he never brought it back
0: up. Okay, your father. Sorry. Um, So, I I have talked to um, someone else who's in that area before. Um, I don't know if you know Alien Girl Amy, Um, and she's told me that a lot of people don't talk about UAPs generally in the area. Like it's just kind of like a non-topic until there's a festival or until there's you know celebration. Of what might have happened. Is that true? Like people just don't care. Or don't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah you know what. I mean unless you initiate the conversation. It's not something that's going to get brought up. Most people here just look at it. As like a, a tourism thing. You know. You know not a... Yeah,
0: I just have to say. When I was a teenager. I watched the show Roswell. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar. And then they did a remake recently. Which I did not watch. But I was one of those people watching it. So I mean that was what how I found out about Roswell. And I did see even within the show, you know they've kind of did like some gimmicky stuff. and then I, you know you see pictures from Roswell. so you know that there's like a gimmicky element. But I think that's just you know a fun celebratory thing personally.
1: Yeah, it's funny when they actually did the original series, they had uh, some writers from I think Teen Vogue came out. And they toured one of the high schools. They were kind of sent out by uh, the CW or whoever it was at the time, uh, to get a feel for what life was like in Roswell. And then I saw an episode of the show, and I said, "What the hell is this? That's not that's not Roswell. It's nothing like it. They didn't even try, it. Yeah. <laughs> other than the gimmicky part. I mean, our lights on Main Street are alien head covers. It's <clears throat> it's yeah. There's definitely that uh, gimmicky element to it, but yeah, it's the topics not real big here. There's some of us, obviously I had a sighting just the other night and wow. I tried to film it. It was basically a triangle formation of lights and all these cars around me, all these people and nobody else even noticed.
0: I, I think most people, most people probably miss UAPs all the time because we're just not looking up and we're so busy. <laughs> you know, that's what I think.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that 100% um, like with my wife she had a sighting here and it was out in the there's baton orchards on the outskirts of town we used to live out there she saw a white orb actually flying through there at like a really incredible speed and she she brought it up to me briefly and then that was it so i kept bringing it back up asking her and then uh my stepson he was driving out when we lived out there and they saw a craft up in the sky that just shot off and Mm -hmm. you know population around fifty thousand, you would think somebody would take notice to these things but you get online afterwards and there's nothing. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting.
0: You know, I have like a couple of feelings about that. Sometimes I think that that is more appropriate than sensationalizing and making it seem scary. You know, I feel like my response to my sightings was just to normalize. You know, that's normal. You know, UFOs are normal to me. Um, And I think um, that's why I'm not scared. But people who are like, oh, my God, what is that? I don't know. They, like, have serious trauma from it. You know, it's, like, so shocking to them. Um, So I don't know. I I think I'd be scared if something came into my house, though. That's, like, where I draw the line. Nothing (laughs) should come into my house, right? That's invasive. Um, Really upsetting. So, yeah. So I... I think it's exciting that you, um, are in the midst of this at the Roswell daily record. Um, I wanted to know how you got involved with the conferences. Were you always a part of the uh, Roswell incident?
1: Um, actually, no, I'm the co-creator of that event. Uh, interesting story. I was sitting at my desk one day and I got an email from Fox studios and Mm -hmm. it was an executive producer on the X-Files. And he's like, "Hey, we really want to use your famous front page, probably in Mulder's office when we're doing this reboot of the show. Uh, here's a contract, sign it." So I print out this contract because I know nothing about this stuff, and I take it to my boss, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to sign it. You sign it and tell them they could use it." So I still have it on my computer at work. I actually signed the rights over to Fox to use that until the end of the time, until the end of all time in any galaxy. <clears throat> anywhere in the universe
0: wow so, they specified galaxy huh yeah it's
1: <clears throat> pardon me I'll, I'll send it to you sometime you have to take a look at it it's <laughs> it's all encompassing but anyways i was during that time he asked me do you know anybody else that has any cool ufo stuff cryptid stuff that we could possibly rent or borrow to use as set pieces and you know i'm just like everybody else i watched all the tv shows knew all the the names in the field, so to speak. So on a whim, I emailed Nick Pope just because I recently saw him in a show and he was in a bunch of stuff I was watching at the time. And he emailed me back and surprisingly that ended up sparking a friendship. Mm -hmm. And he and I kind of came up with the idea, Hey, you're in Roswell, you know, you're the newspaper that started all this. Why aren't you guys doing a convention? So that's, that's where the, concept came from so we held our first event back in let's say it was either 2015 or 2016 and it was it was small we had but we had some big names we had john alexander we had uh, obviously nick pope who's been at it every year since um my good buddy alejandro rojas came out uh lee spiegel who was writing for the huffington post at the time he's also the only person that's put together a presentation to the UN on UFOs uh back in seventy nine with Jacques Vallée and uh Paul Allen Paul Heineck, Jay Allen Heineck. God, I get him and his son confused because I is it, he's
0: the one that did the is he's the one who did the album, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay.
0: I just was like I am bad with names, so I just wanted to verify. Yes. Okay. He made it. and should I was, interview him.
1: You should actually I would love him. to. I would yeah, I wanna
0: talk there. Make everybody.
1: that connection. He's he's an awesome guy. He's been a bit of a mentor to me. <clears throat> Him and Alejandro Rojas both have just been as far as the writing and researching goes, uh wealth of information. And obviously we're friends with Alejandro's uh, girlfriend, Karen too, who runs UFO Congress. She's, she's amazing. Um, yeah. So I met a lot of cool people that first year. And then the next year we held it again. We had a bigger venue and that's when we brought out uh Charles Halt from Rendlesham, John Burroughs was here. Uh, we brought someone out from a remote viewing institute. I, the name evades me right now. We had David Marler, we had uh, Linda Moulton Howe. And this is the year that Josh Gates was actually coming into town to film an episode of a show based on extraterrestrials. So got to meet him that year. It was, it was fun and then We kind of didn't do anything, and right as we were gearing back up to hold another one a few years down the road, COVID happened, and, wow, you know, everything came to a standstill. So last year on the 75th anniversary is when we made our our big comeback, so to speak.
0: Right. I just, I'm still surprised there wasn't something before. You know, that's so surprising because it, like, when people think about UFOs, Roswell's, like, somewhere right at the top, right? Because this was the
1: let me let me interrupt you i'll give you i'll give you some fun uh inside info on a small town and the politics there so there was an event and there still is that runs perpendicular to this and it started back in the 80s it's called the ufo festival so it's not that there was never anything it's just that the newspaper was never involved and then the year we went to get involved i got a not so friendly email from a mr don schmidt basically Mm -hmm. saying I couldn't play with my toys in his sandbox and that, you know, our event shouldn't happen. So that, that sparked, I wouldn't call it a feud and like a rivalry. I feel like it's too strong of a term, but um, so now there's separate entities. The city has a UFO festival, the museum brings their speakers, and then we bring ours. And we, I approached it thinking this is going to be great for everybody. You know, we can do super panels we can have all these experts up there, you know, everybody's going to benefit and it just, it didn't work out like that. And I've been trying to mend our relationship with the UFO museum ever since. And like I said, just small town politics, you know, its I understand what they were thinking that we were coming to take something away from them. But at the same time, if you're bringing 40,000 people to the city every year for this event, there's plenty to go around. Why can't we enhance each other?
0: Right. And honestly, I think people, um, you know, who are really enthusiastic, if they really wanted to, they could do both, right? You know, like, and, and uh, get everything done at once, right? Um, You know, jump between things, whatever. I don't think I could do that personally. But like someone who's really enthusiastic might know what they want to do, right? Um, So I think that's unfortunate. I think that is a issue that I constantly run into with uh, the UFO topic is just people are really competitive or they like the silo and they don't want to share. And that drives me crazy, which is why I celebrate things like what David Marler is doing, where he's just getting all the information and then people are helping him. And that's exciting. It's a different time for us, you know, cause even now a lot of the data is not digitized. You know, a lot of the work that was done before Stan Freeman's um work is a mess, you know, like things like that. It's just like a lot of work is not archived. So for us to get to a point where we can start being organized and digitized and available for people to catch up is great. Like we need it right now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And that's um to your point, that's one thing Shane and I have noticed, and we're also working with our friend John. I don't know if you know him or not. He's on Twitter. That dude, J6, I think. We call him Mustache because he's got a big old mustache. He's a firefighter. (laughs) But what we've encountered, while we've started researching these different uh, whistleblower programs, you know, and just things that are alleged to have happened in the past is there are a lot of researchers out there sitting on tons of data that have no one to leave it to. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them don't have a contingency plan. we located a woman that has hundreds of hours of video interviews with people making some amazing claims, some of which we've actually tried to verify And you no, know, she said, I have no family, I have no one to leave this to, so the research dies with me, sorry.
0: Right, and you know, the same thing happened with you uh, uh, before MUFON, um, you know, right now, this name's gonna slip my mind too, the group that was before MUFON, that MUFON kind of spawned from, um all of the data that they had had disappeared and it's a miracle that hasn't happened to some of the other older groups like NICAP. you know um it's a miracle that someone took the time to collect that stuff but other stuff is you know it's not that it wasn't put somewhere it's just wasn't made accessible to other people interested in ufos it was put in universities and you know you can't even access jacques filets because he's got a weight on it i think it's about eight more years left on it um you know basically he thinks he'll die in eight years maybe because it's a, like a moratorium or something i think is what they call it so yeah the, the lack of access to information makes me crazy it's one of the reasons i got so adamant about making my website um which you know the ufo connector because i wanted people to see how these things work together like, even finding Blue Book is, like, scattered. <laughs> like, it's all over the internet in different pieces.
1: Yeah, and then you you look at an organization like MUFON, and I've been told by members that their database is a mess. <clears throat> you know, like, are they going to get that fixed in time? What's going to happen? So I I feel like the effort by David Marler is, it, I'm the same as you. I feel like it's so important because mm-hmm. he he said, you know what? We're going to open the center. And if you want to come research, you come do it. This information is for everybody. It shouldn't be kept from people. It should be out there in the open.
0: I know he's I- also interested in digitizing. <clears throat> so if people can't come in person, he's um, going to make the plan to do that too. Um, and now I know that takes a lot of time. Like when we've looked at um, what's happening in Canada, a university is supposed to be digitizing Canadian documents. Um, they said it would take like years so yeah i mean
1: it, it's a very daunting process and luckily i know in the case of david he's got a really good group of volunteers some of whom i know um, and i encourage anybody that's interested in helping with the effort to reach out to him
0: yeah um, He's very nice. I've spoken to him. And I told him just take whatever documents I have, you know, on my website, just because that's where I put things. I do have at least a 1000 more links to add. Like I add more links to this one document every day, because there's so much data. And I think he is going to be swamped with data because um, and he's going to need all those volunteers.
1: Yeah, um, I just actually connected their organization with a friend of mine from Argentina who's going to be helping translate documents yeah. into Spanish. So they're they're not just looking at it as, you know, like a U.S. type thing. That's the reason why it's the Worldwide UFO Center for Research. Um, right. <clears throat> once again, I think that's important because there's cases happening all around the world all the time. And I know you've probably seen online these maps of where UFO sightings happen and it makes it look like it's just the U.S. And and that's not the case. That's where all these reports are coming from, yes. But I talked to my friends from around the world, and they were having sightings exactly like the ones we're having here. You know, like Brazil or Argentina last year had several mass sightings.
0: Yeah, and actually an article came out recently about the top five countries for sightings, um, we were in the top five, but there were, they were mentioning other countries. And, of course, other countries have put out documents. I would love to have Spain's documents translated um, because I've, I have linked to where you can find those. Like for Brazil, you know, the documents are out and available, but it is not easy to understand because, you know, I don't know Portuguese. So, you know, like and I would love people um, to translate all of the ones that are available openly. I would say
1: as well, apologize, my throat's a little dry, Um, I'd keep an eye on Argentina. I I think Shane and I might be working on a pretty big case out of there that hopefully within the next month or two we can break wide open. So uh, I think some of the governments in the world are a lot more open to the topic than ours as far as being more transparent. Um, You saw Japan just recently had hearings on it
0: yes Uh, it's it's, so exciting
1: it's an exciting time but i i feel like everybody keeps saying well we're having disclosure in a couple months trust me Mm. i i'd be more interested in seeing how it comes from the public than the government because i think that'll get you closer to the truth
0: i was thinking about this and i'm going back and forth on what's going on with nasa so nasa is right now doing their study of a study but they're moving Slowly towards something else. And I'm not going to like, you know, talk for NASA. I'll let them come out and explain what they're doing. But that's going to be this summer. This summer, they're going to be talking about the progress that they're making and the plans that they're making. So that's kind of a big deal. I wouldn't say that they are civilian or public per se, but they are more open than other aspects of the government. And then we have the Webb telescope part of NASA also, seeing exoplanets left and right, you know, so that really kind of inspires some questions about what could be going on. And they're also really looking at these um, natural phenomenon that are being reported by documentarians, um, which is a different thing, but it's still part of the UAP issue. In fact, one would argue that some UAPs are living. So... But that's possible, yeah, right?
1: Entirely. I I think we know so little about our universe and life that these discoveries could come from a direction we're not even looking in. I mean, I you know, there's a lot of people that think A.I. is on the verge of becoming sentient, and I think it was Lou Elizondo that used it as an example of the book, the novella Chains of the Sea, you know, where essentially... Alien intelligence reaches out to our planet, but it doesn't reach out to us. It reaches out to artificial intelligence because that's what it thinks is on its level, right? So yeah, it, it could be that. I mean, a lot of the ocean is still unexplored. Who am I to say nothing down there is? I mean, I think it was three weeks ago someone released a video from a deep sea probe of what appeared to be a disk zooming Hmm. right by the camera i'm not sure if you saw that but
0: not yet but i know about the ocean sounds they're so they couldn't even find them i think on online um the people who study the ocean are fascinated by the mysteries there too and they slowly just slip them out to the public and no no one in the public does anything it's so weird like no one goes why are there strange sounds that are not animals
1: yeah and then you know and concerning water and russia you have crazy cases like the one that came out was it I think in the eighties where they were diving in a lake and they ran into beings down there. Like Yes. You know, yeah. like unless you're there, you're never gonna know if it really happened or not, but it's still fascinating that the story's even there.
0: Well Russia um kind of came up a lot in the CIA FOIA's um quite often actually um including that Carl Sagan was asked to go help them create their uh, UFO office. They also um, had some documents about Russia and China working together on UFOs, and that they said that they had a UFO that crashed. And people are always going, "Oh, it's a Russian thing. It's a Chinese thing." And they don't. They ignore all that data. They ignore the fact that you know George Knapp brought back documents, and you know there was a report of a group called Thread Three and other studies done on UFOs. They ignore that Ramirez has told us that they discovered a satellite that was just for tracking UFOs in Russia. Um, I don't understand why people are missing, like, connecting these dots. Like, I don't don't know. But, yeah, it's an international problem, to say say the least. (laughs) Or enigma. Enigma might be a better word. I don't know if it's a problem. It's an enigma.
1: (laughs) Not the most popular word in the UFO community right now. Yeah. with enigma Labs, so i'm i should say uh i think they're good dudes me and shane interviewed alejandro we got a little tour of their office and the app and they, he was very transparent about what's going on there so i i just hate to see him getting so much uh anger hurled his and their way online
0: yeah what is what is the main problem is it that the the information that they're getting is going to get reported to the government and that's the problem is that what it is
1: I think that's part of it and then the other thing is people want to know where they got their funding and then you know that dives into oh you're working for peter thiel and just all this it's
0: yeah it's funny how some people latch on to certain names and give them this air of mystery that i don't think is merited like for instance i saw someone was on twitter asking about ron padolfi and I'm like, why does that matter? Like, he's not that big a deal. He doesn't even really support the UFO narrative. <laughs> like, we, uh,
1: no. we went down that we went down that rabbit hole, and a lot of what people that knew him said was was not flattering. It wasn't, you know, no. take this guy's word for it. Yeah, I, I.
0: You get that's on Jack's a lot of weird list. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> get on Jack's list. Ron is on Jack's list, guys. <clears throat> That's all I'm gonna say. If you guys don't know what that means, you'll figure it out one day. But but yeah, um, I don't I don't get it. I don't think that anyone should be dwelling so much on the people. I think it's good to understand the connections and know the connections, but it doesn't help us really solve what's going on, and people get really caught up in that, and then they get into the actual conspiracy theories. UFOs are not a conspiracy theory because they're an actual thing that happens a conspiracy theory is when you start making up whole nother levels to it like i don't know like do you believe in the collins elite for instance
1: you know what i i honestly i haven't looked into it enough i know that's one of the things john was diving into within our little research group
0: right
1: um i think i was told to ask nick redfern about it if he had questions because i but i I don't know know. i just i haven't i haven't gone into it
0: really what's funny about this though is it might have just been some one person saying oh it's probably the devil and that was probably what started the whole rumor right like a game of telephone oh there's a whole group that thinks it's the devil you know who knows but i know netflix did recently have a documentary about how religion has influenced our government like you know people who are religious uh leaders you know, got into power and kind of sat down with governors. In fact, I can think of uh, some Mormons in the UFO community that might be considered to be part of that actually right now, but <laughs> I don't want to name names, but I'm just saying like, if you watch that documentary, you do kind of walk away going, well, maybe there is something to the Collins elite, you know? I don't know, though. It.
1: I'm of the mind that anything you hear could be true. I mean, I think a lot of things like that where there's only a few people in the know and then there's a lot of speculation around it, it's it's hard to separate, you know, fact and fiction, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, But I do think religion plays a heavy part in government. And I do think that people with a lot of money do... Have a lot of pool in some of these fields. Right. So, and as far as the group you're referring to, I, I don't know them personally, but I, I know what you're talking about and I know what people think. And
0: right. It's kind of I been
1: th- playing out online lately.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, I think sometimes people add these extra layers to this because it's fun, you know, or because, you know, it's not mysterious enough on its own for some reason, <laughs> you know, it's just, but I, I think ultimately after doing um, pretty heavy research for some time um, I'm in the camp of uh, everything could be true all of it could be true and we just really don't know. Um in fact I wouldn't be surprised if they were all true at one time. Um so it's just a really crazy crazy time like
1: it is, Yeah and it it's entirely possible because a lot of things take take MK Ultra there's no way in hell this is real. People said, right? And then guess what? It wasn't a crazy conspiracy theory. It it happened. There's documentation.
0: Yeah, I can't watch that movie. It's too disturbing. <clears throat> tr- so, I've, I've tried to watch it. I can't. And
1: what's interesting is I'm trying to word this properly without giving too too much away. Um, some research we've been doing recently it's kind of bringing into question the dates of MKUltra and certain events it might've been involved in that -hmm. are relevant to the UFO community. Mm -hmm. So I know you and I had a conversation the other day about Mm -hmm. what would the implication be if, you know, if it was the government exposing people to these things,
0: yes, giving them
1: these traumas. Um, That's, that's super interesting. We also talked about the recent Havana syndrome and, A.H.I. cases, you know, mm-hmm. um, Shane and I will be interviewing the lawyer representing the FBI agents that are suing on Monday.
0: I'm very so, excited about that. I could is it tied into this? Is it not? <laughs> is it, you know? I know. But, so so here's a th- an element to that for people who are not in those conversations that we have about that, that the A.H.I. cases um, are kind of a big deal because they are still saying they're anomalous. Um, and whether or not UAPs are tied into that, we don't know. Um, so Toby's going down the investigative path. I've given out some things that I've found, and hopefully, you know, he'll come back swinging with a whole bunch of information for us. Um, so I wanted to like go back a little to MK Ultra. Um, in the community recently, a book was promoted. And that book talked about someone who thinks that had been exposed to some super soldier experiments. And the fact is, that inspired me to research what experiments we've done. And it's a very, very dark path. Um, I don't recommend it for the faint of heart, you know. So, um, internationally there have been unethical experiments that have been done on civilians. Japan had quite a large one that involved thousands upon thousands of people. A lot of people know about what happened in Nazi Germany. Um, And then what they don't know, however, is that just like in the, the instance with some of the Nazis, where we decided we wanted to keep those people, not put them on trial and use their knowledge for our benefit, We did the same thing with Japan. MacArthur actually did not put people on trial in exchange for information. So our government does not have its hands clean by any means when it comes to unethical practices and experimentation with people. um, Which is why I'm really watching what's happening with this Havana syndrome um, issue. Because the State Department is supposed to do something. So we'll see if they do.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I it was you that pointed out where's where's all the media coverage on this? I mean that little blurb about the book got more coverage than this lawsuit by federal agents that say they're being affected by this. Like
0: Yeah, I don't think people know the FBI is involved in this. I don't think that they're thinking about that because the news does talk about the embassies and kind of limit it to like government employees, but I don't think they realize it's not just people in embassies.
1: Yeah, it's happening domestically, and that that changes the whole conversation, I think, um, <clears throat> whether what whether it is some sort of weapon being used on people or not. Um, like I said, you and I both know that they are experiencers with UAP that have Havana syndrome symptoms afterwards. Yes. And, you know, it it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I definitely shane and i are going to start digging into that because you know what we don't have anything else to do <laughs>
0: well and someone needs to right yeah. so that, I, I have this feeling constantly someone needs to do this someone needs to do this like why isn't this been done and it really i don't understand because we've been experiencing um since kenneth arnold talked about seeing craft skipping across a lake We've been experiencing a huge interest in this, right? In fact, if you guys want to go further back, people were super interested in the airships, although they did really just think they were inventions that had traveled over their states with no reason to verify that. So (laughs) there's just like a lot there. There's a lot of history. So why hasn't some of these like why haven't some of these things been done? Why isn't there an organized experience or database? Um, why are people still uncertain even now, even though the government says UFOs are real, why are they still uncertain about whether or not UFOs are real? You know, what is going on? Why do we keep missing things? Why do you know recently, for instance, AI picked up more signals? that we had not previously picked up. They detected more from SETI um, because AI is capable of analyzing the data faster. Why did we miss those things in the first place? Like, what is going on?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think too, a lot of it falls into how the media works nowadays. I mean, um, if you're not part of a major news outlet, it's hard to get your voice heard. Like Shane and I, we've had some pretty, I would call them explosive articles, you know, revealing some things like Arrow not paying to bring out people to testify. That's caused a big stink. But a lot of the news, especially in these subjects where it's not taken as seriously mainstream, I shouldn't say as serious, but it's not as focused on, a lot of this comes on social media, like, you know, like Twitter, like when... I broke the, the news that Kirkpatrick was going to be testifying at that hearing last month. You know, for the day it was being liked, retweeted, everybody's talking about it. The next day they're on to the next thing, you know, we're a, we're a I want it now culture because of social media, I feel like, and the Internet. So with cases like that, I mean, you saw how the press conference you sent me about the age, I had 20 views from a year ago. And it was covered by some obscure channel that had like a hundred right. subscribers. How right. does a the, press conference of that level not make the national news?
0: I mean, maybe it did, but we also know how news channels portray things. They put a little blurb at 8 a.m. in the morning and then they don't touch it again. Right? It's the same thing. Like, this is a big deal for five minutes and then you move on. And that's while someone's making coffee or using a bathroom trying to get to work. You know, like they're not really paying attention. So that's that's part of the problem. I do agree that America in general also only has like a two-week attention span. Like the big news from two weeks ago, that's it's going to be forgotten and replaced with some other big news really soon. That's how it works. Yes. But it is also surprising talking about that hearing, um, not a lot of people from the mainstream media even went. Like that was, you know, they could have. And I understand what an oversight hearing is. I I just have to chime in on that. I understood it was going to be about money and are are you getting the job done. A lot of people thought there was going to be more alien bodies or something, but I know what that meant cuz I've worked for, you know, government and, you know, places where I know what oversight means. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: What what was interesting about that meeting is the closed session, closed door session was held first, and that's not that's not the norm for these things, so after mm-hmm. that happened, and then I think what three senators came out for the public portion. People should have known you're not gonna <clears throat> they're not right. dragging out alien bodies and uniforms and ray guns and right. and I will give credit. There wasn't there were some public there, some of them were handing out some pretty wild books, and I think one had like a UFO model, but there were right. a few people there that asked good questions, and I will give props to Dan Warren, who does a lot of uh, TikTok and Instagram videos. He showed up and he actually asked Gillibrand some good questions, and he right. was very, very professional. So yeah. I like, I feel like he did a good job representing this, uh, the ufology people. He did more than the people, you know, shoving these, I lived on Mars for five years, books in her face, and, you know, demanding yeah. to see the bodies.
0: And <laughs> hey, you know, I have mixed feelings about that, because on the one hand, I feel sympathetic About you know the people who believe those things like they really do they really believe it and they have people who go yeah that's true and I can show you why it's true and they believe all the videos but on the but on the other hand like if you are a senator who's trying to get the world to take this seriously that's like the last thing you need and she was very nice to people about it you know, Dan Warren covered the behind the scenes of what was going on. She was very nice. Kirkpatrick was very uncomfortable. And you know, it was, it was an awkward scenario for him. But you know, I think um, the fact that the media wasn't paying attention is a concern. Because even if it is just oversight and budget and, you know, it's still a UFO hearing. You know, it's kind of weird. And,
1: and that's the thing. That's kind of the issue that shane and i are running into is we're we're covering this stuff yes we're a smaller paper but we can lean in on the name you know it's what we're known Mm -hmm. for my frustration lies in that we're an associated press affiliate so when we have a piece like that about the hearings that we come out with we send it to the associated press for them Mm -hmm. to put out on the wire and they're not picking it up not only are they not covering it they're not even picking up what we're giving them which they don't even have to do any work with so it's, you know, it's a bit frustrating, but at the same time, Shane and I are in a, a weird position where we're newspaper reporters. so we're not going on the news every night. You know, we're not on the radio every day talking about this. So yeah. take, for example, the John Burroughs story we put out today. We worked on that for months just because we wanted to verify everything, you know, uh, interview everybody multiple times if needed. So while we're at a disadvantage for we can't just get the news out there in the spotlight right away, we're also of the advantage that we vet and verify, triple check every single thing we put out when a lot of these organizations will just put something out as fast as they can and then end up having to retract part of the information.
0: Right. Like whether or not something's called a tip or OSAP. Yeah, I know. People <laughs> make, make mistakes all the time in their newspapers. Um, so... I know I understood, by the way, why the New York Times could not do that because OSAP was still confidential. I understood, and I don't know why people also are perplexed by that, but that's a whole other thing, (laughs) like you know, and there was so much confusion about aeronautical versus, you know, what the A stood for, for, you know, aviation, you know, but that's a whole other thing. But so one thing I noticed, though, is like we had one person who was, you know, advocating on news about UFOs was talking to people and though I'm not a big fan of him otherwise it was Tucker Carlson right and then five minutes later he's fired right so who is it now who's going to take it seriously and have that conversation other than social media you guys Chris Sharp with Liberation Times Um, I guess we have the debrief right um like the new york times has done a few articles but that's also partly because the people who were in new york were pushing to work with the new york times on those articles you know yeah so so who do we have like it's gonna be you guys and a lot of people are turning away from mainstream news anyway like you know it's funny because i i will still catch little clips from mainstream news or local channels that are on youtube about something because my youtube knows what i want to find and so it sends it to me and it's always like the person giggling or i wish it were true or the x-files music so (laughs) you know i don't i don't get it but then okay i do have another argument though like maybe the reason it can't be put on the news is because we just don't have the answer. So to them, it's a non-story until there's answers.
1: I mean, yeah, it's possible. I would recommend people follow Christopher Sharp, though. He's a good friend of mine, and he does work on articles with us at the newspaper. Um, but I, I would raise the question, why are all these UK tabloid websites getting these stories about, oh, I'm put off! I was a whistleblower. Let me tell you all about it.
0: I think it's their friends. Um, they do have friendships with some people who are part of a smaller group. Um, again, that goes into understanding understanding the people behind the narrative, right? And that I don't know if that necessarily helps us go forward or, or not um, when you start to understand the people behind the narrative. Um, what I don't like, though, is when people find out about the people behind the narrative and then only talk about that. That's where I get irritated. Like they don't study UFOs anymore. They just study the people. And that's actually goes into like some problems with harassment and being really obnoxious that I've seen. But but yeah, I think yeah, you know, I don't really know um why certain people get favored over others. I know that Chris is endured quite a lot of abuse for his work which is really upsetting because he's a sweet person like a really nice person yeah Um, he doesn't
1: deserve any of that
0: no he really doesn't and he works really hard Um, I I think that you know it's not that hard to get the information about how to contact people um, if you put a little effort in and if you're a decent person people want to talk to you um but you know, I do think that there are a lot of NDAs, NDAs hidden behind what's happening still. A lot of people can't talk like I've seen um Kit Green say I'm not talking about that. um, you know, I've seen other people say I can't talk about that, you know, so we need to get further with the whistleblower protection before we get everything,
1: yeah, because. Shane and I have spoken to multiple people that were involved in large events. And, you know, obviously a lot of them are under NDAs and they flat out said, we're not talking to them. I'm Mm -hmm. not putting my future at risk. And what's funny is as we're hearing that Fox news puts out an article yesterday about Mm -hmm. a retired Navy guy that said, he's not going to come forth and talk about what he knows. And he used, I'm almost hundred percent sure he was speaking metaphorically when he said, I know where the bodies are. But yeah, I know he was. The data is. People were like, "Oh my God, it's alien bodies!" No, no, that's it's it's a phrase, right? And, yeah. Uh, speaking of Christopher Sharp, he and I were just talking about some interesting bits in that article, and I agree. Anybody that's giving him hate online, he doesn't deserve it. He's a he's a nice nice guy, and he works his ass off. And yeah. I have a lot of respect for him.
0: He spends a lot of time either taking care of his son or taking care of UFOs. And that's very admirable on both sides, you know, or he's a good person. I don't get it. Um, if, if you want to like say something critical to him, he's also someone who's really receptive to feedback and will try to do better, you know? So, and I think it can be really hurtful um, in general working on this topic. Like people really are just ready to put the claws out Um, I think the only reason I don't get successfully scratched is because I don't, I just step aside. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't try to fight back. I just ignore it, you know?
1: I mean, you have to. And that's one thing Alejandro Rojas was telling me and Shane is, you know what? You just, you've got to drown it out because it's not worth your time.
0: Right. Um, So, so I mean like one of the things is you know, there's like a almost a religious element to this sometimes where people really do believe, like I said, like the people who believe like Mars is involved and there's like Anunnakians or whatever. Oh <laughs> I just don't like any of that part. But like they get really zealot, right? They're zealots with that stuff. And um, we do have a history of cults in the UFO community that's concerning. Um and and I and I you know people believe what they want to believe you know to do that but just the problem is don't put others at risk or yourself at risk for it that's where I start to have problems with it. Um, I also am one of those people who never liked it when someone knocked on my door to try to sell me a Bible. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree. Anywhere there's uh, a level of fanaticism, you're going to run into. Stuff like this, and it, it can create a toxic culture. But there are a lot of good people in the community, you know. Um, social media wise, you've got people like Shane, Mike, you, Dan uh my good buddy Vinnie Adams, you know, um, Matt Ford with the Good Trouble Show. He does good work, you know. Um, and then there's podcasters, you know. There's there are reporters that do it. You know, you mentioned the debrief. They're they're really good. And they
0: very serious. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, and I respect all these people that are trying on any kind of level, because I know from my perspective where I'm standing, it's not easy and you do end up getting a lot of nasty messages and, you know, and I'm not trying to push any sort of narrative. I'm just pushing out what I've learned and what I can confirm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've told people um, in the community that there are levels of being in the Community, one is, um, of course, that people ignore you. That's one of them. Another is people disrespect you. That's another level. And then people tell you you're a psyop. That's definitely on there. I definitely <laughs> ha- I had the are you gatekeeping UFOs uh comment given to me just yesterday.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I knew once I was accused of being CIA that I had made it, so to speak. I
0: know that's just one of the levels, right? And, but it's and- it's never. Um, the level where everyone's going to agree with you. That's not how this works. That doesn't work when the issue is unknown to us, right? I think, you know, a lot of people just assume the government does know. And even if they did have bodies, right? Even if they did have 5,000 different UAPs that have fallen from the sky, I don't think they know. <laughs> like, who they don't
1: no and i think it was lou elizondo that gave a really uh great hypothetical you know if say there's an uncontacted tribe i don't remember where he said somewhere in the amazon or on an island you know and a jet plane crashes they may turn it into a shelter they're not just going to automatically go look at the engine and say oh man this makes sense let's do this with it it's something completely foreign to you you don't know what to do with it and if the rumors are that you know if i will say if because i don't want to say for one way or another try and make it seem like i know even if i think i do if there are crash craft that we have that get into these reverse engineering programs then the narrative is that it's so compartmentalized there's not enough people working on them and mm-hmm. so you either age out or die out before you have time to figure out what's going on with these things right
0: right Yeah, and it's interesting because if you talk to experiencers, they have pretty much the same narrative when it comes to how to fly them. So I don't know if someone had the revelation of let's bring an experiencer in who says they know how to fly one. You know, I don't I don't know if they did that yet, but I would think that that, they were brilliant enough to figure that out. right? Or was it just so secret that they couldn't do it? I don't know.
1: And and that's then you know and then again that's where you get tangled up in these webs because <laughs> there's so many different rabbit holes on the topic and there's so many bits of truth and disinfo out there it, it's it's a minefield to navigate it really is
0: I know and, and part of the spectrum of it is people get very very serious like you know you go on the, the side of like what you guys are doing what um, Chris is trying to do what the debrief is trying to do the very serious side to people are. A little bit more fun with it. And I'm not gonna name the names of some of the people who are a little more fun with it because people get upset about it. Um, you know, it's a full spectrum, right? Like people, you know, you should have some fun with it though. Like you, you know, you should enjoy what you're researching and spending time on. Um, it'd be really weird to hate what you're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, like you know, like Shane and I could tell you it's it's real easy to get burnt out on this because the amount of time and effort you have to put in to verifying even the smallest thing is, I mean, I'm living, breathing UFOs and UAP almost 24 seven. And sometimes it's just, you can't shut your brain off because it's constantly making new connections. And then when you go and you post an article and people are like, Oh, that's it. You know, something you're so proud of. You put so much work into, and unless it's the alien bodies and the UFOs, most people aren't going to think twice. That's, like I said, I think it comes back to that instinct gratification where uh, I want it now, society. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there, there's a lot of people doing the you know the hard work, and that's where people like David Marler are going to play a huge role in wherever this ends up going.
0: Right. And I think it's a mistake when people do get stuck on the craft and the bodies. I think that's a mistake because none of what's going on with that is 100% verifiable. People definitely misidentify. You know, I've said that the debunkers and the skeptics are actually just more like in the man-made UFO camp. Like that's their hypothesis. It's man-made or natural phenomenon. Or you could even say misinformation if you want to say that's a hypothesis. But I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't really think that's the same. But um, so they there are misinformation things happening like you know actually i i don't think things happen the way people restate them sometimes about how things happened but we know about Doty and stuff like that you know um but my my issue is once you understand how important this is and you get past the the bodies and the craft you start unfolding what it means to be human, the history of humanity, the entire universe is open to you to, to understand and explore. Like, I've, I'd i be willing to bet a lot of people get to the point where I'm at, where I'm looking way, way beyond nuts and bolts.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, and I definitely agree with you. I think that's where a lot of this does lead. But At the same time, there are the people that are on, like you said, on the side of these being man-made things, and that ties back into what you were talking about earlier, the airship sightings. Mm -hmm. I mean, I found an article from the Roswell Daily Record in 1902 about a sighting off the coast of California, and it was called a glow ship. That's what they were calling them at the time. And these people look through their telescopes or binoculars or whatever, and they see people on these things. So at a time when there was no man-made flying machines they were being sighted everywhere actually
0: there were some but they were in (laughs) europe they were not over the united states at that time yeah Um, and yet you have
1: sightings left and right the only problem being back then the newspapers tend to do a lot of sensationalizing too so once again you don't know how to separate what's true from what's not
0: you want to hear something crazy about a newspaper I looked up my ancestors and I found a very scandalous article about my ancestors in a newspaper. Because if you go to newspaper.com, um, I had like a free membership. I'm, I'm not telling people that they have to subscribe. But if you go there, um, they're like a one month free. You can find some really crazy things. I can't even imagine how many things are about sightings on there. Um, just probably bajillions of them. Because... You know, just looking online for what's digital, you see just tons and tons. Like the sighting you were talking about um when we first started talking with your dad, the barbells. There's another sighting like that um that happened, I believe, in Canada. And that's a very distinct shape. And one that Lou Elizondo mentioned. So that's really interesting that other people have seen that. And I bet, you know only going through places like newspaper.com would you maybe find more? Because it's so rare. <clears throat>
1: well, I know just going through our archives on there that I mean, there's so many sightings, but there's actually some gaps where yours aren't available. So recently I've learned the uh, ancient art of microfishing. Mm.
0: So <laughs> I've been, go-
1: been going through that and actually finding more, but yeah, with the site like newspapers.com it makes it so much easier because everything's digital, you know, you right. type in a prompt and then you get what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that some of Blue Book is not digital yet. Um, I was told that they probably have more videos and even though they have some available that you can go find on YouTube, that there's still stuff that we don't have access to Um, so you have to go in person. And I, I'm fortunate because i'm not that far from blue books so one day i might do it
1: you should and you know it just ties back into what we were discussing earlier that all these researchers that have probably documents videos testimonies that have never been seen outside of them that are just going to disappear um a lot of good researchers are reaching the age and a lot of them that we've talked to are like you know my stuff's gone so uh yeah you know, it's we're funny. gonna try and get stuff like that to David Marlar.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I saw Linda Thompson talking about this on Twitter. We need to hurry to interview people before they, they're gone about some of these cases, about their experiences. Astronauts, for instance, the ones that were on the moon, you know, and it's not gonna be long before we don't have anyone to talk to you. But what's on the flip side of that is that. Uh, let's say 75 years from now, people are going to realize how many cases we're ignoring by looking back. Because, like I said, it's constantly, they're constantly reporting them now. now. you know, they're constantly talking about families seeing things together and that goes on the news, and then no one pays attention because it's local news. So it's not international news, it's not national news. Why would anyone pay attention? They're, they're going to miss a bajillion things that have been put out about how many sightings there are. So, yeah, I think uh, it's exciting to think that, you know, the sightings that are happening now, like there were some really crazy ones in Hawaii recently, uh, for instance, um, will one day be the sightings that everyone's investigating in 75 years trying to dig up.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's... Take Roswell for example. Shane and I and John, we've been we've been going hard at that case, obviously, ever since Christopher Mellon mm. talked to us about it. And uh, so many witnesses, you're going to come across the names, and they're gone. There's you better find someone that talked to them then. And what it's revealing to me is I've starting to talk to people that have hundreds of hours of audio interviews that no one's ever heard. Um, yep. There's actually a super well-known pilot, a military pilot, that had a sighting in Mexico back in the, I think it was the 40s, of a moon-sized object floating outside of Mexico City that stayed in the sky for an hour while smaller spheres came out of it. Um, I've gotten called at work by someone that uh, worked for General Dynamics here in Roswell back in the late 60s, early 70s that told me hey you know what they were flying these things out there when i was there i was a security guard at the gate and i made the mistake of posting about it online just you know hey someone just called me and told me this i'm gonna look into it and then everybody jumped on me for not just putting everything out there but it's like i don't want to put out something that i can't prove
0: i do wonder you know when we have more what they call disclosure. When we have more transparency is what I would prefer to say, right? If people are just gonna be like, okay, and move on, or if they're gonna just latch onto something else. Because honestly, how much of a reaction did the Avro car get? Not much, right? Like people found out the United States made a flying saucer. It didn't do much. It didn't go off the ground very far. But how, nowadays people are like oh what a big deal not a big deal so what they made a flying saucer <laughs> right
1: what yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah like, I think you're right
1: I think they they could announce you know alien life tomorrow and 75% of the population probably not even going to care
0: yeah I mean they still try to identify new species every year so i periodically go check out what the new species are if they presented it the same way as they present those new species like just added it to the list no one would even notice they don't pay attention they don't care
1: yeah and i and i think that unfortunately that's what a lot of people in the ufo community don't they don't realize but they don't truly appreciate that while there is this faction of people that are you know just frantic about this just diving into every little bit they can we're a small portion of a large world (laughs) Um,
0: yeah i think sometimes though we're bigger than we think because there's people who are not on you know for instance ufo twitter there's people who are not on the facebook pages but they're still watching the videos that come out on youtube about the topic which makes you wonder like i don't know if there are 50 million people on UFO Twitter you know but there are definitely millions of people watching the videos that go out Um, you know so like Lou Elizondo is a big name he gets millions of views on videos that are done with the news so I think there's a lot of let's just say uh, lurkers on the topic we'll call them lurkers right you are not going to come in and have conversations with people about it but are out there thinking about it and then there's just a lot of people who have their own sightings right who don't feel the need to engage with anyone about it
1: yeah there's I can't even count the number of people I've talked to that the subject just briefly gets brought up and oh yeah I saw something you know 20 years ago and I just I didn't ever think anything of it yeah So there's the so many the stories that haven't been told and so many that never will, I mean.
0: Right. And, you know, what's worse is some of them were reported, but they were discarded. You know, like Rupal talks about that in his book, that he would get some really far-fetched accounts and they would just throw them out. And then some of the reports that they got were so considered so confidential that they didn't get formally reported. Like Rupal tells us that. And he was in, you know, in the programs with the government. So there's, and then there's the people who just have no desire to report or be involved. Like I have, I've had a family member show me a video and they never would have gone to like MUFON. They didn't know what MUFON was. Like, you know, like they just, I had a fellow uh, clinician told me they saw a UFO, but there's, they don't think, you know, I'm going to go to the UFO community <clears throat> and join them and talk about yeah, it. Right? So I don't know. It's just not a big deal to everybody like that. I think it was a disservice for small sections of people to try to control the narrative. Um, imagine if, it, if if we were in a different timeline, right? And it was just like the Roswell Daily Record reports a saucer has landed and no one retracts it and everyone allows scientists to come take a look at what's going on and it was actually in this in this timeline a saucer 75 years ago where would we be now if that had happened
1: yeah i mean it's interesting to think about and it's also i don't know there's just so many ways you can dive into this topic i was talking with someone the other day and they were recommending Philip Corso's book on Roswell um, but the original manuscript, not the uh, edited version. Yeah. And so people, you know, people look at say people think that think we got technology from this crash that happened 75 years ago. And then all these advancements started happening, whether that's true or not in your alternate timeline, you're talking about, you know, what if the aliens did come here and they gave us this technology Like you're saying, we could be a hundred years more advanced than we are now.
0: Yeah, they could be like, why is it taking them so long? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've I've said that before, like Lou, Alessandro mentioned that they could be trying to communicate with what they're doing. Like, not with voices or with text messages or audio, but what they're doing could be a form of communication. And I've said a few times, maybe there's a giant message that they're trying to send us like a huge morse code that we're missing um i don't know however on the flip side some of that messaging hasn't been so great so some people are kind of freaked out and some people have been hurt so i don't know is that a message to you
1: it's definitely something to ponder i mean I, I just hope that in my lifetime we get answers on this stuff.
0: Wow. I think we will. I don't know about in two months. <laughs> but I just, I have a positive feeling about it. Um, you know, sometimes I get a little boo also. Um, and for me, the woo is that I felt compelled to do this, to start studying this. And I learned a lot very quickly. And I got access to people in the topic very quickly and that's strange right uh it was also strange that i went to college next to blue book and never knew it right and i'm just a my life had nothing to do with ufos two years ago right but here i am (laughs) so there's where i'm a little boo like so if if that's true if any of that's true am i a chess piece getting put in place for this to happen. Yeah. You know? hey, yeah, and
1: I, I get it. Shane and I have I'll often talk about the same thing, you know, the synchronicities that led to us meeting and then the events that started happening right afterwards. Uh, it does at times feel like there's an invisible hand kind of guiding things. Mm-hmm. And where that leads to, I guess we'll find out. But
0: yeah,
1: I have a pretty good grasp on what's supposed to happen in the next few months and I don't think it's the big disclosure everybody's thinking it's gonna be.
0: Yeah, I think often they oversell, <laughs> you know, like something big's gonna happen, and then it's like Gary Nolan telling us about the basal ganglia, and everyone's like, This was it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's not what they want. Like, just don't tell us anything's gonna happen until they are letting us meet non-human intelligence, right? You know, like just skip all of the overselling please <laughs> just just send just, us our
1: orphan Annie decoder rings and start sending out messages
0: <laughs> right i mean actually how many people would rush to like hey you can text the alien like everyone would sign up for that they would crash a server right you know if, if they had a way to do that i actually had this whole plan in my head of how it would have to happen and one of the things would be that it would have to be all the hybrid children would come out because we wouldn't shoot them. All right. And then that, that would be maybe one of the reasons they exist and they'd be able to talk because I, I suspect the, uh, entities or whatever they are. Can't, you know, like I like I just like have all these fantastical thoughts about how this would have to happen. And then Once the hybrid children calm everyone down and were able to actually meet something else, they would have to be put in a protective place. Like, really protected. Because humans are crazy. So, and then until people could go up and meet that, they wouldn't even believe it. They would just believe it's CG. Right? Or even if they did meet, they'd be like, oh, it's a robot. Right? They would still not believe even if we were touching, no one is going to believe. Um, unless you know, I don't even I don't even know how to help the people who just will never believe.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what to tell those people. <laughs> but you will, you will have part of the population that will just be like, nope.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think we, we do that to ourselves too a little bit though, like we feel like, we're wrong or crazy for what we've seen too sometimes. So, it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing. And that's part of the stigma problem. So, anywho, Toby, I know you, I've, I've kept you on a Sunday. It was, you know, family time for quite a while. So, I want to let you um, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, and please tell us about like some upcoming projects of yours, because that's always exciting. And um, tell everyone how they can contact you if they need to
1: okay yeah um so obviously i work on uap articles for the daily record but i'm also interested in covering paranormal cryptozoology any of that so i can be reached at toby t-o-b-y at rdrnews.com and shane and i can also be reached at rdrnews at me. Um, i can be found on twitter my Handle is RDR incident, I think. Does that sound right?
0: <laughs> Don't worry, I have it linked in the description.
1: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, and that's that's mainly where I'm at, social media wise. And you know what? I'm on the, yeah at RDR incident. Okay, I got it right. Um, upcoming projects, we've got some pretty in-depth articles in the works that. Uh, The big, big one we're working on is months, at least months out, Um, but we've definitely unearthed some new evidence about the Roswell case that we're super excited, and it gets hard to hold on to it without just coming out with it, but we're not ready for that yet. Um, Like I said, we're working on a big case out of Argentina. Um, My event this summer, the Roswell incident, is June 30th to July 2nd. You can go to roswellincident.com for more information and you can purchase tickets there. It's going to be a great time. We have personalities from UFO Twitter. We have TV stars like David Childress, Nick Pope, Ben Hansen, Chuck Sikowski, uh, the Paranormal Rangers from Netflix, which should be really, really fun. Uh, we have a film festival that we had the first edition of in December last year in Argentina. And this year is going to be the first year we have it in Roswell. Our special guests for that will be Eduardo Sanchez. He's the director of the Blair Witch Project, Altered, Exist, and several other projects and TV shows. And then Ron James, the head of MUFON Video and TV, will be here uh, showing Accidental Truth and doing a Q&A afterwards. We're also bringing in the showrunner for Ancient Aliens and the Unexplained for History Channel Latin America to give the Spanish population something to look into. And then, you know, just people from here get an idea of how these shows are made over there. Um, yeah. We're going to be yeah, filming. I, I watch
0: them. I watch some <clears throat> of those, by the way, Toby. I watch Omni. Yeah, a little bit because I know a little bit of Spanish, but they're also often subtitled. And, you know, for instance, recently Gary Nolan was just out in one that. Um, English speakers might have missed. Like, so I get, I get those too because I, I try to connect the international community of UFO research. Yeah,
1: so you definitely stop by and meet him. Uh, he does speak English. Shane and I went on his podcast. He's a super nice guy. His name is Jorge Luis Suxdorf. Uh, my good buddy Maximo Varone, who runs FICA FP at International Film Festival, will be here running the festival with me this year. Um, he, Shade, and I will be filming for a documentary. We've got a film crew coming from France. It's going to be insane.
0: <laughs> I am really looking forward to hopefully getting to do that with you. Um, that's a really special thing, I think. Um, and I also, I hate to say this, I am looking forward to some of the gimmicky stuff that we talked about. I am. I am. I'm looking forward to that, too. I want to see the the street lights. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's fun. They, they have a drone show that they started last year, um, and then we're going to do a CE5 event before bidhamson Skywatch. Um, there's going to be a UAP med panel, which people definitely, definitely, if they're in town, need to come check out. I hear there's going to be some uh, important people on that.
0: Yeah, I think there, there might be a couple important people talking about the medical and mental health effects of UAPs. And by then, hopefully you'll have some done some more uh, work on some of the topics related to anomalous incidents too. So I'm looking forward to what you might have coming forth on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and although I can't announce where yet, I can show you, we do have a radio show that we've been signed up for, Shane and I, and okay. we will be doing weekly updates on UAP news there.
0: That's very exciting. Thank you to um, all my listeners for hearing all of these you know, exciting things that will be happening um, and hearing Toby talk to me um, and just listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know how many more Dojo episodes I will be doing because the UAP Medical Coalition is probably going to need more attention and focus in the future. But if you need to access um, myself or Toby, of course, you can find me at Study of UAPs on Twitter, across social media. I'll still definitely be with Calling All Beings on YouTube. You can find me at ufoconnector.com or, you know, the UAP Medical Coalition. Kind of been busy in the last couple of years. (laughs) Thank you again so much, Toby, for coming and talking to me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You're awesome as ever. Okay, everybody, take care.